Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. Drunken Jaguar. Uh, man, it's a tough season. We are here recording on a Wednesday night. After a very depressing Jaguars loss. Bentley, what's up, man? Feels like the Jaguars season ended on Sunday. Uh, They had a a nice 4-6 record. Uh, We got to uh, meet Minshew Magic. We had a very long and drawn-out Jalen Ramsey saga. Uh, We saw the breakout year of DJ Chark. And we had uh, a return from Leonard Fournette. These are my storylines. Season's over. Uh, And the rest rest of the year... (laughs) And the rest of the year, we're going to be watching uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, the melodrama, where we just tune in every week to see what's going on with our favorite characters, follow the nitty-gritty uh, daily goings-on, and you know, hope they win, just for shits and giggles. It's you so know, funny, I worry about it? you. Yeah, I, know. I worry about you I, I, uh, these weekends, because <laughs> every time I ask you how your weekend went, it, like, it hinges on the Jaguars' loss or victory. And I think you start to anticipate whether or not they're going to lose or win as early as like the Friday before the game. <laughs> so uh, I'm just guessing here that you've had two pretty bad weekends. Is that right? That That's pretty much correct. You know, I was having a pretty good weekend too before Sunday morning, really. Started with the hangover, ended with the Jaguars loss, and then <laughs> a lot of quietness after that, especially after a bye week too. I mean, you come off the bye, you know, you're, you're feeling good. You get Nick Foles back. And then mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. after the first drive, you're like, okay, all right, we we have something going here. And then how many straight drives with no scores? Ugh, ugly. You hit the nail on the head. It was failed drives. Uh, kind of these like three and outs. Maybe we get one first down, uh, but there wasn't much successful offensive production. Everybody's talking about the fact that we just didn't run the ball at all, which was bizarre. Uh, the lofty hopes that Nick would come back from is it is it technically eight weeks or was he even away for like ten weeks total? Yeah, right on the IR and everything, yeah, something like that. Uh, you know, and would magically lead us to victory. I think we're based on his production with Philadelphia the past couple seasons, doing that in a similar time frame. But he was understandably rusty. Uh, I think one of the main observations was the all the under throws. Man, we had so many dangerously thrown balls. And they weren't terrible, but they definitely weren't. Uh, sharp and on point uh, definitely not giving the receivers a chance to make a play not at all uh, I remember the first was it the first did we score on the first drive or the second drive I, I want to say it's the second drive we scored on not the first yeah it wasn't even the first drive yeah because the narrative is like everybody's saying the story of how Nick came out hot and then you know and then cooled off for the rest of the game but I think that first drive we still punted I believe so and uh I remember it was a pass. Was it over the middle, maybe to DJ Chark or something that just wasn't really well thrown? And I, could, I was already playing in my mind this alternative replay where he just caught it and scored. Right. Right. Um, and I feel like that happened so many times during the game. It was very frustrating to watch. What was your take? Yeah, I don't know. Like it's, there's so much conversation. It's like, is the Foles Minshew thing was Foles rusty? It's not Foles' fault. as the defense. The defense is bad. Back to the whole like shit run defense thing. But really, it was a combination of everything. And then it's like, we didn't run the ball. And what would happen if we ran the ball? Like, the run wasn't even going anywhere, it seemed like. But I don't know. 
I, I'm almost speechless at this point. Like it was, it was not pretty. And we were only down 10-7. Team loss. We were only down 10-7 at halftime, too. That's, yeah. that's the crazy that part insane. about it all. We've done a better job adjusting the teams in the halftime break uh, in, in previous games this season. So it was especially disheartening that we came out third quarter and laid such an egg in such a dramatic fashion. Uh, again, playing this like desperate uh, pass-oriented offense, not using our running game, was a pretty big surprise. And uh, I don't know, I don't know how and why we went that direction, but it obviously failed. It's very frustrating when you're kind of running that two-minute offense and kind of a desperate mindset, and you're unable to convert first downs, right? I mean, you can have you can come out three downs at a shotgun and have maybe one completed pass for a small gain, uh, maybe a couple others, uh, a couple other attempts that are incomplete. Drives over, right? Do that again and again and again. Uh, it's super frustrating. Yeah, it was, it was literally just on replay. And I'm usually a fan of, you know, throwing the ball on early downs. And it's just so funny because we have been hyping up John Filippo pretty much, you know, all year, saying how good the play calling's yeah. been. And then this is the one where a lot of people, including me and probably you, were like, wow, like kind of a poor, poorly called game, wouldn't you say? Just completely abandoned the run game. Yeah. Abandoned Leonard Fournette, really. Yeah. I would say, just in general. Yeah, give it a bit of balance. I mean, I think if we were completing some of these passes that we were talking about, just out of luck of the draw, right? If we had, if uh, you know, if a couple of passes that were underthrown had been better thrown, uh, if, you know, so-and-so here and there breaks a tackle and gets a first down, then we would be less critical. But the fact that it kind of fell on its face and we and the Jaguars had nothing to show for it offensively during the game, um, yeah, I guess we can kind of, it seems like for the first time, really criticize uh, Filippo's play calling uh, during this game. One thing that stood out to me was at the end of the first half, we had the ball with just like a little bit of time to work with um, and theoretically could have scored, uh, but we were setting up all these like uh, uh, passes. What were they? We were throw, kept throwing screens. like screens yeah. to DJ Chark. Like four or five yards. Yeah. I was going to bring that like, up. Like hoping for the best, yeah. That, I found that really weird. What do you think about that? Why would they play to get the ball back, and then they get the ball back with a couple plays? You know, Lambo can kick from pretty deep, and they're in a dome. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. I don't even think the roof's open in their dome. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they just gave up on the drive, and it's ten seven. At least get in field goal range. There's no harm, right? At that point, you need mm-hmm. a fifteen twenty yards, and yeah. they're throwing screens, getting three yards. I didn't understand it at all. Yeah, it was bizarre. I mean, I, I my biggest guess is that they would throw at Chark and hope that he, as a playmaker, would be able to make something happen out of it, i.e., like, break away for a magical 47-yard touchdown run. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm not too down on that part of the game as much as, uh, like, the second half, where we got significantly, well, <laughs> decimated in the third quarter, and by then the game was already over. We're talking about wanting to watch meaningful football around Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving. I want to watch meaningful football in the second half of games. Right. It, it was really just embarrassing. I To me, it started like on the Colts' first touchdown when they couldn't wrap Marlon Mack up and he just bounces it outside. I was like, are oh my you God. serious? This is the same crap, you know? Reminded me of uh, Christian McCaffrey's right. words on us. And I thought this, I thought this problem had been addressed, fixed, something, right? And from the coaches, it's always mm-hmm. it's the same they thing. Bye week, yeah, to do exactly. It. And you come out. Yeah. I don't. You know, you're supposed to come off a bye week and play your best football, right? Because you had a week to prepare. It did not seem like it. 
I mean, who played well? DJ Chark, yeah. And I thought Chark even was kind of bad in some some areas. I've noticed he's a lot of mm-hmm. balls he doesn't catch in traffic. I think that's one of his downfalls is what mm-hmm. I'm starting to realize. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he made a great one in traffic at the end of the game, which is a great catch. But, I mean, he was like the only bright spot. And people were like, Fultz didn't play that bad. I don't really understand that. I think he played pretty bad, especially that jump ball that he threw up to DJ Chark. Like, what what was that? Mm. And did he read that wrong? Did he not see the safety back there? He just looked like he threw it up. It was underthrown, and then it, it got intercepted, obviously. But I don't know what that was. Yeah, it felt like uh, felt felt like the it was poor. It was sort of like the final details of quarterbacking in the NFL that you need that little. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it like. Like just I don't know some kind of intellectual edge or like uh, sharp on top of your game just because you've been uh, you've been hot for some degree of the season, but to be able to uh, read and anticipate some of those final moves, uh, especially in the secondary, I think is an important skill. And, uh, and I, I'm guessing this is what Nick was rusty on, and that hopefully he'll improve in the in the coming games. You're right. Uh, how do you think it like impacts a receiver? going from one quarterback to another. Like, they're used to playing with Minshew. You know, they're different play types. So, how do you think it, yeah, yeah, it's that's different? Yeah, a great question. Not as dramatic back in the Jaguars' old days with Mark Brunel being a left-handed quarterback and then pretty much every other quarterback being right-handed. I, mean, I remember hearing stories about that where receivers actually had to adjust to a different, you know, an opposite spin on right. the ball. Yep. Uh, which I thought was interesting, yeah. Uh, in this case, I don't know, man. I would be interested to hear your thoughts. I mean, Minshew's style, uh, we, we, better or worse, was this sort of like, you know, run around a little bit, <laughs> make something happen. <laughs> Sometimes it wasn't even <laughs> necessary or warranted uh, when he's getting happy feet. Um, Nick Nick seemed, I, I would argue, did seem nervous at times. Uh, maybe happy hands, we could call it. Um, so I don't I don't think either quarterback has been playing uh, you know a super super solid patient game as of late, um, and the and the receivers probably get affected by that. Uh, but in terms of like uh, throwing style and and whatnot, uh, I, I you know I, not being a receiver on the field, it's hard for me to speak right. about it. But I can imagine that one of the main differences is is this sort of like this under throwing, like this you know not anticipating, not making reads. Uh, correctly, um, and, and yeah, it makes it a lot harder to catch a ball. A lot of stuff just seemed, a lot of the balls seemed about a half a foot behind where they could have been to make life easier for the receiver. And uh, I don't know, when, you, when you've when you played, you know, football, flag football, whatever, and <laughs> you know how it is, like in the, in the heat of the action, <laughs> a little adjustment, like a small underthrow, even a defender getting like a finger on a ball, um, these can go a long way in a receiver's ability to make the catch. Yep, you have to be very precise. And the the thing that kind of strikes me is I always kind of thought it's Nick Foles as that quarterback that could has the ability to throw receivers open, you know? And it just seems yeah. like we were getting more of that with Minshew of throwing receivers open. And yeah. Nick Foles was throwing them covered almost at times, you know? Yeah. No openings. How do you... How are you feeling then? Again, I can already sense some of it. Do you feel there's a Minshew Foles controversy right now, or is it? I mean, as our squandered playoff hopes put that to rest. I mean, either way, it was his first game, so well, 
you know, for his full game. So you had to cut him a little bit of slack, but they did say he's a veteran and he's played in huge games. So like he should know how all this all this works, you know. And now there's this whole thing he's saying we're trying to build a culture in here and people are like, Well, dude, it's like week twelve. Um, you know, we <laughs> our culture has been being built and I feel like a lot of that culture came from Gardner Minshew though, which is funny. So yeah, I mean I was Super excited to see Nick Foles play, but I don't know. I'm not going to give up on him yet. I know it's one game, and I'm, I'm hoping the next game will be better. But I didn't see it. I didn't. I didn't see it. At the end of the day, he had he had respectable stats. Um, you know, people write this off as garbage time stats. A lot of it, but uh, he wasn't he wasn't a total dud. Wasn't a stud. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. But. It definitely wasn't a dud. And actually, you know, to be fair, uh, you know, he played a decent game having coming off uh, coming off a, a, such a sustained uh, injury. So uh, for me personally, I don't feel that bad. I will say, though, that the Jaguars season after dropping these two uh, uh, games to division opponents takes us down to four and six um, in already a competitive division, uh, really far off from our division leaders, the Texans. Are they tied with the Colts? Uh, Colts now? on the tiebreaker. I believe they beat the Texans, but they have their next game um, Thursday night. So this Thursday night. So that'll be decided. Yep. Yeah. That'll be big. Um, and you know we've we've lost to both of those teams. So even if we were to miraculously catch them, if they dropped all these games and the. But we do see the Colts again, though. But we do see the Colts again. So I mean, you could tie yeah, them. Yeah, see the Colts once again. Right, but so. This Titans game, what does it mean to you? Titans game, uh, man. Okay, all that said, and you and I talked about this. We 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 really don't want to. We don't want to mention playoffs. We don't want to go no, on the whole definitely not bandwagon bullshit where we're mustering up false hope. So I don't want to say anything about oh we will beat the Titans. Okay, great. Now we can you know everybody saying we lost our first two games of the year. We won two after that. Then we lost another two. Then we won another two. Then we lost two more games. So inevitably we're going to win the next two and go up to 500. And if if even if we did get to 500, I mean mathematically our season's so shot and like it, it would just depend on really winning out and all. This. So I really don't see any like season saving value in the Titans game. Um, what I do say see is just like I said, it's a freaking TV series now. It's individual narratives. We tune in for our favorite players. Uh, you know maybe we see Leonard Fournette have a back uh, bounce back. 100-yard rushing game. Maybe we see DJ Chark continue his streak and he gets some Pro Bowl talk. Uh, maybe we see Foles have a great bounce-back game and, you know, it kind of relieves some of our tension. Maybe Miles Jack plays football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been <laughs> kind of a disappointment too, huh? Yeah. May, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe, uh, okay, we had a, a Saxonville return versus the Titans earlier this season. Maybe that happens again this Sunday. And it rejuvenates a little bit of spirit into the fan base. These are the narratives I'm looking at. I don't really see much beyond that. I don't know. Do you see anything else beyond that? I mean, if you look at the schedule, we do play a lot of the teams that are competing to get in. So, I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, we're playing teams that are that are competing. They're like on the edge of the playoff bubble. Yeah, or okay. or in it in the AFC. So, right. like for example, the Titans. You know, they're in the hunt over there. The Colts again. The Raiders are one of the wild cards at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yep. I mean, and the Chargers. I, 
they are a mess right now. But um, well, they're not a mess. But Philip Rivers is a mess. Yeah, so we play them four too. Four interceptions. Boy. Yeah, it's, it's getting tough. Um, did you see that him going to the Titans is a possibility? Oh, it's I gonna be that. interesting. Yeah, I just read it today, I believe. So mm. we'll see. I've heard Carolina too, so I have no idea. Wow. Oh, yeah. Bad game. Um, anything else? I I have a couple other things. Do you remember sure. the third and nineteen they converted on? Oh my God, Colts. Yeah, That's can you say twenty seventeen AFC Championship Patriots drive right there? For real, just I third and longs, it. and you just can't get off the field. It's insane. That was bad. That's when I knew the game was over, and uh, yeah. of course, um, the Yannick strip sack was, which was one of like the bright spots of the day. We can't even recover a fumble, and I don't know yeah. what the hell Taven Bryan's doing. Like, Man. I, I I think he wanted, you know, a little bit of shine, you know, wanted to feel good and pick that thing up and maybe run it back. But come on, man, you, you got to get the football. Just dive on the football. I know. That's a classic problem. I mean, every team deals with that. There's always these loose balls that people try to scoop up and score with. And if they just fallen on it, uh, you know, it could have been a game changer. I felt bad for Yannick, to be honest, watching his express. He was very expressive. And yeah. he's all proud of it and shit, and we thought we had the ball, and then didn't even fall on it. So it was still like a great, uh, great play by Yannick, and and I I love this this stat on him. He's got he's got like ten plus strip sacks for us in just a, a, a you know what three years or something. Three years, so, yeah. Um, that's super impressive. Uh, I I'm, I'm glad that he continues to play like that but very very sad that his team couldn't help out uh and recover that yeah it's ugly i mean of course we're gonna there's some bright spots this season even already you know josh allen we can already tell he's a good player i think ronnie harrison's done a good job you know Mm -hmm. starting and he's been playing pretty well Um, yeah you know uh trey herndon he, he had a bullshit pass interference call in that Colts game, which I did not understand. I still don't no. understand pass interference. Yeah, so. it's been bad this year. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, there's bright spots on the defense, but, I mean, this whole not stopping the run thing is getting a little old, especially this season. Like, 200 yards is unacceptable in one game, but mm. multiple games doing that? Yeah, that's not going to fly. And they've yeah. looked good on, on the run defense in a couple games, you know? They've been, like, it's bizarre. Perfect. Yeah, people down. Yeah. Shut some really good backs down. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, so, that's another, that's another outcome of the Titans game, possibly, is maybe we respond in a way that, that uh, shuts the run down. Obviously, um, Derrick Henry and the Titans rushing has been a sort of nemesis for us the last few years. Uh, Mike D. Rocco on ESPN even wrote, <laughs> wrote an article that was published today where he says... Uh, he calls Nissan Stadium the Jaguars' house of horrors. So <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine if we were able to shut down Derrick Henry, it would be quite an accomplishment. It would be kind of a, a momentum-garnering moment for us. But I'm just super hesitant of talking anything playoffs, anything winning season, any of that bullshit. It's true if we won out, we'd be 10-6. and six. That would be playoffs. That would almost for sure be playoffs as a wild card spot at least, if not division. 
Um, actually, right. Indianapolis and Houston, neither of them have elite records. They're both at six and four. Um, right. You know, had they had they each lost uh, one of the games that they won, they would be five and five, which would be the same as the Titans, which would only be one game away from us. So and one um, one of them is going to be six and five after tomorrow night. So yep, yeah. So the crazy thing is, record wise, uh, you know, if the Jaguars to, <laughs> were to win out, it's so stupid. We're doing exactly what we said we wouldn't do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, probably not going to happen, right? So all we can hope for is that we have some fun fun character stories to talk about from Sunday. That's my take. Right. I mean, I haven't lost all hope, but I still don't want to talk about the playoffs or talk about getting in. I, I know we're not eliminated and there's still a chance, but the way yeah. this team played, uh, there's no point in talking yeah. about the playoffs. Like what yeah. we saw Sunday, the two Sundays will we had the bye week, but the two last games, divisional games. I thought you were supposed to come out and compete in those games. They yep. always say the divisional games are going to be close and competitive, right? And anyone could win. Yeah, sure. Ah, back-to-back eggs, and it wasn't even Easter. <laughs> oh. I would say one yeah. more story I had. I was getting encouraged by earlier in the game when it was like, holy shit, like, you know, we might win this. <laughs> in the first no quarter, <laughs> even, through the, even through the first half, right? It was a close freaking game. I mean, yeah, it was. given our performances earlier this season, uh, I, I remember like the, the Broncos game is a great example. We were able to adjust, come out, and do something. Um, so, you know, I had some hopes up, and one of the things I was excited about was Josh Oliver. I remember seeing this dude, I think he, he caught a pass early in the first quarter. Is that right? Yeah, he did. Josh Oliver catches a pass. The cameras focus on him. And I'm like, damn, first of all, this guy is a lot more ripped and built than I assumed. So, uh-huh. I, uh, man, I, he, he was looking like a second, third year. You know, a lot of rookies come in and they're just still on their college like workout routine. And, and you don't really have confidence that they're playing at full strength. But Josh right. Oliver, for being injured for a lot of the, the beginning of the season and to come on as a rookie, you know, we're talking about we need a tight end. You know, Nick Foles thrives with tight ends kind of secretly hoping that Josh Oliver might be able to blossom into that answer for Nick Foles, I got really excited. Like, shit, imagine if some chemistry worked out between these two guys. And then now Josh Oliver's back on IR. Yeah. He's out. It's total wash for his season, huh? He was hurt, tried to come back, and now this. Yeah. And all our tight ends. Even O'Shaughnessy, you know, he was playing well above expectation, and he got hurt, and... The tight end is a problem for the Jaguars, period. But man, yeah, yeah. I mean, the offense just struggling. I honestly, I think Dede Westbrook's just having a just a pretty terrible year, based on you, what I was expecting of him. Okay, so you had higher expectations. Do you attribute this to his injury? His uh, was it like neck and shoulder? Yeah. Um. Hmm. No. I don't. I, I think he's dropping a lot of balls. He hasn't been that playmaker. First of all, it seems like nothing is designed to him anymore. It's turned into like the DJ Chark show. Like mm-hmm. all these uh, plays, you know, designed to get the receiver open in space. It seems like they're all going to Chark oh, yeah. opposed to Westbrook. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. Let me look at some receiver stats right here. DJ Chark does have 51 catches now um, for almost 800 yards and, of course, the eight touchdowns, which is what a lot of people talk about. 
Um, right. He's having a solid year. We can't deny it. I, I will agree that he. It seemed like he got a lot of play designs um, on Sunday, and and likewise a lot of. Uh, I don't know if they were underthrown or what, but you know a lot of incompletions. Chris Conley, uh, t- with twenty nine catches, has five hundred nineteen yards and a couple touchdowns, and then Didi has more catches than Conley at thirty six, but uh, quite a few less yards. Um, How many? Then Conley, 415. Um, so he's he's only averaging 11.5 yards a catch versus Conley's, uh, whoa, is this right? 17.9, that's pretty high. But still, um, I, it looks like, I don't know, does it, do you feel like Didi's been kind of relegated to like a slot receiver role? I mean, obviously, like a lot of these like nifty, low center of gravity catchers, um, Julian Edelman, Edelman comes to mind. Uh, who else? Uh, oh, I mean, Cooper Cup is another guy who plays Cooper most Cup. of the slot, but he's super, he's good. He's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, these guys, they certainly, like, uh, play a really, really key role. But at the same time, it's not one of, like, a number one or number two receiver. I mean, it depends on the on the team. Cole Beasley, another receiver that comes to mind. Um, right. That used to play with the, the Cowboys. Now he's with the Bills. You know, uh Cole Cole was a solid receiver in the slot. He could get you three or four really clutch catches a game. Rarely drop the ball when thrown to him. Um, would come up big on these third downs, kind of running across the middle. Uh, would run really nice uh, hook routes, uh, button routes. But at the end of the day, Cole Beasley was never promoted to like a number two receiver. Right? We didn't see him matching up against the defense's top cornerback. We never really saw him going deep. Um, That's he had true. A sort of limited use, and so I'm wondering if Didi. We had all these hopes that he would he would be that ultimate playmaker, but I wonder if Didi's been kind of relegated to that slot role. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm I I don't think that's really the case though, because there's a lot of good receivers that mm-hmm. will play out of the slot. Even number I noticed when I was watching the Bears and Rams game, which we can touch on later, the whole Ramsey Robinson thing. Oof. Alan Robinson plays in the slot a lot and he's their number one receiver and he's a bigger guy, obviously. And their other receivers, Taylor Gabriel and um Anthony Miller, they're kind of smaller guys. But mm-hmm. good receivers, you can line up in the slot here, there. Cooper Cup plays mostly in the slot and he's still a really good receiver. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't lower your production or it doesn't mean that you're not like a really good receiver or a wide receiver one or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's just more of just Didi. Maybe I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Kind of in a funk. And hey, Keelan Cole's still getting worked back into the roster, uh, and probably probably you know with the hopes of developing his confidence after last season's drop off. Do you see by the end of the season any any shakeup in the Jaguars' wide receiver order? I mean, are we going to be saying, for example? Hey, DJ is definitely number one receiver. Keelan Cole's the number two right now. Um, do, you, do you see like DD Westbrook going on a streak for the rest of the year with Nick Foles uh, back in the lineup and hoping that there's some chemistry between them? Did Chris Conley take over one of the top slots? I mean, do you think that he's uh, one of the top top of his slot? Huh. No pun intended. Do you think Chris Conley's <laughs> you know established himself as like a receiver to be taken seriously? Um, do you what do you anticipate for the rest of the season? I think that. It's nice. I like our receiving court, to be honest. And I still mm-hmm. believe in them. I like having Conley on the outside. I think he's a pretty good, he's a really good possession, possession receiver. He has really good hands. Mm-hmm. And I like, you know, having Chark 
Westbrook and Conley out there. And, you know, they kept bringing up in the broadcast about the chemistry between Nick Foles and Chris Conley as they mm-hmm. were former teammates or whatever. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's going to, that's going to keep going. And, but then we saw the whole chemistry between Westbrook and Nick Foles in the preseason and training camp. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't translated. And it looked like he loved DJ Chark. He was just throwing it up to him. I don't know what the hell he was looking at sometimes, but <laughs> Chark was getting tons of targets, tons of them. Yep. So, I mean, I'm happy with the receiving crew. I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And it's not just the offense as well. Obviously, you got to stay on the field, sustain drives, but it was more of a defensive issue on Sunday for sure. So I think we'll give it one more game, see how we play against the Titans who have a, a very nice secondary and see how these yeah. receivers do and how Foles does. Cool. All right, so um, let's then shift focus to the defense. There's been a lot of talk oh, about boy. Miles Jack. Miles Jack, hashtag Miles Jack wasn't down. Well, hashtag Miles Jack is probably down in the dumps this season after this total inability to stop the run in so many uh, consecutive games. Uh, it's been pretty tragic. You know, this is a year in which he, he just signed a new contract with the Jaguars. Um, I think we're all fan base, uh, still love the guy. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really doubts his athleticism, uh, his uh, ability to be an excellent player. But something's up here linebacker-wise. Maybe it's linebackers across the board. Maybe it, maybe it is that sort of captain presence. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't think we've ever seen such a failure to stop the run. And, and a lot of it does look to be on the shoulders of the of the of the linebackers. I mean, one of the one of the excuses people have given is that Marcel Darius went out earlier in the season, yeah. and Darius, an as we remember in the 2017 season, was kind of our uh, run defense savior midway when we acquired him. So, uh, not an excuse, right? That's what you're saying. Um, but what do you think about the linebacker situation? What's your take on Miles Jack? It, the linebacker situation has been a mess. It seems like mm-hmm. right, like. How, how much do we miss Telvin Smith? Because I kind of miss him a little bit. Yeah. Right? And, well, Puzlesny, too. And, and, and Puzlesny. And he was, like, the real leader, you know, back there. A true vet. But yeah, you remember Telvin when Smith, was it Telvin was... broke down crying in, in Puzlesny's retirement announcement. Right. And uh, yeah. I think we all sensed, okay, wow, this is this is sad. But, uh, but wow, what a cool handover of, of mentality. I mean, for them to be so close and... Um, you know, to be playing basically in the same position. Uh, I, I, had, I personally had high hopes. <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't too concerned with uh, Paz's departure. I think we'd already seen him get um, some limited playing time that 2017 season, and things seemed to be okay. Um, I think the scary thing now is we're looking at a Jaguars defense that that can no longer be considered elite, and we had we had a lot of players uh, go in and out the door, right? We had some some shuffle especially in the secondary, um, and particularly now with Jalen's departure. But I don't, think, I don't know if we lost that core spirit and, uh, or the, the focus on the defense as being a, a strong point of our team. So, man, yeah, I mean, it, it is sad to watch. And, and I wonder if Telvin, you know, maybe was kind of a, uh, what is it, <laughs> the, the domino <laughs> that, that first fell right. before the season even started. It was big losing him. I mean, Everyone talked about how he had a bad season last year, which I do believe he did. But the previous season seasons, he was good, man. And he was a super bright spot. And he, to me, was that guy that could 
go find the ball, run downhill, and go make that tackle. No doubt. So we definitely miss that. And I don't know what the hell he's up to now or if he's ever going to come back, but we definitely miss him, man. It's a lot of young linebackers in there. And you got to remember Miles Jack, you know. You know his story, right? When he got drafted, he was a running back. Mm-hmm. Coming out of college. And at UCLA, he, he played both sides a little bit is mm. what it was. So he played a lot of running back and played linebacker too. So maybe not even his natural position. And maybe it's starting to show now. Who knows? Yeah, I wonder also if he's a victim of like the Peter principle. You know, like in the workplace, <laughs> people people get keep getting promoted eventually keep getting promoted based on, you know, your performance or whatever random ass factors until you become in a position at your work that you're no longer qualified for. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have got the promotion. So, yeah. So, no, so maybe exactly, Miles yeah. Miles was awesome when paired with Telvin Smith or when Pods was on the field. Maybe when, when Miles was playing was he playing weak side or strong side? I can't I can't remember what he was what he's playing. Um Miles? Yeah. Miles never played weak side. Yeah. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, he went. Yeah, strong side to middle linebacker. Strong side. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, just because we're saying, okay, well, he's you know probably the most athletic linebacker we've got. He's probably, you know, got a good degree of charisma. He'll make a great uh, middle linebacker. Maybe that's not actually the case. Maybe he got promoted a little, a little too high <laughs> outside of his area of special specialty. Yeah, I. I mean, I agree. The. Just the linebackers as a whole, it's been a problem. He's been a problem. But the tackling everywhere has been a problem. I mean, they're getting to the first level pretty easily. And as great as our D-line is, um, as pass rushers, I don't know if they have that same thing as uh, run stoppers. I know uh, Calais is a – you can tell he's a very good run stopper. But the rest of them, I don't know. I just don't know. And the safeties, man, they can't tackle anything either, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. We were writing it off earlier on in the season as like, oh, well, nobody really played in the preseason, so we're going to have to relearn how to tackle in the first few games. But we're 10 games in right now. <laughs> we should yeah. have it down. It's football, man. I mean, as a defender, you got to know how to tackle, wrap yeah. up, get the man down, and we just can't do it. That's all it is. It's backup running backs. Like the Carolina <laughs> dude came in, ripped off a long run. This Indianapolis guy, I don't even remember his fucking name. He comes in and has his own hundred yards. Who like, like Williams? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyone could just come in and just have themselves a day, I guess. So <laughs> there's that. That's insane. All right. So let's say before we before we have some closing thoughts on the Jaguars season, <laughs> which uh, which ended on Sunday. Um, I was curious if you wanted to talk about around the NFL. Um, you said you mentioned uh, the Bears and Rams matchup over oh, there. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you get a chance to watch it? I actually watched it. It was a pretty boring game, to be honest. But No, no, I actually didn't catch it. Yeah, enlighten uh, me. That, no, it was terrible. For one, I wanted to see uh, Allen Robinson play really well against yeah. Allen Ramsey. Oh, man, Chris Collinsworth brought it up maybe 10, 15 times. The whole Allen Robinson, Jalen Ramsey matchup, they kept circling them and showing them and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. I think two times, you know, they had to bring up these guys know each other because they're teammates in Jacksonville and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. But, oh, man, Jalen owned the matchup, man. Owned him. Oh, really? Oh, okay. man, he, he was incredible. And that was his first um, primetime game, real primetime game, yeah. Oh, wow. Like Sunday night. 
and he was incredible. He was really good. Allen Robinson had like four catches for 15 yards. Oh wow! Shut him down. And he he laid him down. He laid him out one play, and he was actually mic'd up too. And he was he was talking to shit to Allen Robinson, <laughs> like always. But wow. so that's how that went. Boring game. Mitch Trubisky is he got benched. I don't know if you saw that. Well, I heard I heard that they gave like different stories. The coach said that he got uh, injured um, right. towards the end of the game. And uh, Trubisky had said he got injured <laughs> in the first half. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm, no one knows what the hell is going on there. They are like, they're like us. I already said this yeah. early on in the season. I was like, these guys are going to be a repeat of the 2017 Jaguars. Great mm-hmm. defense, and then some. Your defense can't always play like mm-hmm. you know record-breaking seasons. They can't just always be like that because a lot of that comes from turnovers and sacks, and that's not always going to happen. Not always, yeah, yeah. And their offense just cannot cover any ground at all. It's ugly. So them, they're done. And it kind of goes back to that thing about, like, you know, Khalil Mack. You know, they traded the picks for him. He hasn't been that productive. And the Raiders got Josh Jacobs, and then they got this other pass rusher who has more sacks than uh, Khalil Mack, Max Crosby. Wow. And it's just nuts and then they have another pick coming up and you got to remember they have the bears pick and the bears are struggling so they're gonna have another high pick here in the wow. first round nuts wow which is what we hope for with the rams but yeah well speaking of the rams um do you some would say that their their defense has uh gotten kind of a what do you call it facelift after um i was wondering if that was like an appropriate word to use <laughs> after uh after ramsey's addition uh, and as we talked about a little bit last week, you know, cornerbacks are kind of a, a tough one. Kind of a there's some intangibles that that um, that you consider when uh, evaluating a cornerback's performance. Ramsey is one of these shutdown cornerbacks who talks a lot of shit. Um, when when called upon, you know, hopes to play as best as he can. He's a really good tackler. Uh, he's a great do- tackler doesn't have any interceptions this year right so this is one of our stat stat uh, areas that we could usually use to compare cornerbacks but it's not necessarily fair because maybe a cornerback makes such a big impression um, even if some of it's kind of imagined like just through talking trash and stuff that quarterbacks just don't throw their way but would you would you agree that the Rams defense has has kind of turned around since Rams's addition or is that an overreaction Hmm. Maybe a little bit of an overreaction. I don't know if they're like a lot better. I mean, they lost Talib and Marcus Peters, mm. but you know they still have a pretty good secondary. You know, and Eric Weddle's back there. Eric Weddle and Jalen Ramsey have gotten very close, which is super mm-hmm. weird because they're like opposite personalities. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> well, whatever, whatever it means. But um, I don't know. I think more of their problems lie on the offensive end, in my opinion. I think their mm-hmm. defense will will you know do their job usually, and Dante Fowler's having a pretty good season too. And Aaron Donald we know is amazing, but a lot of their problems stem from their offense. And then their future problems are like you know they have no draft picks and they have a million people to pay, and their offensive line's pretty bad. Yeah, but yeah. Um, speaking of the Rams, though, um, I think they did something this Sunday night that the Jaguars will do. 
on our Sunday game against the Titans, you know. What's that? They kind of uh, abandoned the run the last few weeks, and then they just fed Todd Gurley over and over mm. and over and over again on Sunday mm. night. And I think that's what's going to happen with us on Sunday. I think Leonard Fournette's going to have 25. Cares. I was reminded of John DeFilippo's criticism getting uh, – he got fired right as offensive coordinator at the Vikings for not running the ball enough. And right. I was wondering that's very true. That's going to reenter the discussion. And, he, yeah, like you're saying, he might do something to kind of correct that when it was especially after doing it so obviously this last game yeah uh definitely (laughs) we're gonna be running the ball that's for damn sure it was odd because i thought the game plan was gonna be to use the running backs a lot because you saw rock armstead and um early on in the first drive i was excited yeah they used him and 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 plays they didn't necessarily have had to you know yeah exactly so i thought that was like kind of setting the tone guess i was wrong yeah, but yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't know how the game's gonna be called. They say Doug Marone's gonna, you know, kind of poke his head in, maybe in the play calling, or like with how things go. Because you know he doesn't call plays and he doesn't. I don't know what he does. Really, <laughs> I I just I'm not really happy with the coaching staff right now. You'd be <laughs> like everyone just defends Doug Marone over and over, right? Yeah. He comes out, he says the same shit. Oh, we need to be better. We need to prepare better. All that cliche yep. head coach shit. But it's like, yeah, yeah. when is it going to get better? And when are we going to move on? Like this being in the middle thing, it's not yeah. cool. I'm always curious about this because they had such a good 2017 season. Um, you know, and so it looks it looked like on the surface that something was working, whether it was Tom Coughlin keeping everybody in line or – Doug Marone just being that classic NFL coach who just doesn't doesn't f up and doesn't you know make any big mistakes with it that what was it what do you call it like the hard nose like run the ball football attitude heavy emphasis on defense right. you know the defense played so well surely Todd uh, Todd Wash had had some know how in that and as we go season to season now um, I think I'm, I find myself joining the camp of people that are more critical of all this uh, I don't think that. I don't think that, you know, a, a total shuffling of everything is necessary every two seasons in the NFL. I wish it wasn't. A lot of su- right. successful teams maintain their coaches for quite some time. Um, we, uh, But I, I'm wondering now if, like, wow, did we really have some magic in 2017 that now cannot be recaptured and that a different perspective overall on the team would be would be helpful now? I mean, my main concern with Doug Marone, I, I like the guy. I like listening to him. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, never really – you know, against him, I don't think that he's anything sort of egregious. Um, right. I think that he's he's uh, he does seem to be very respectful of his players, um, and uh, and still a pretty motivating uh, guy for them. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Right. I'm not in the locker room right. myself. Exactly. But uh, I wonder if he lost a lot of credibility last year when we had so many fights and so many discipline issues. Um, if if that ha- was actually kind of a turning point, and players even that weren't even on the team then that joined the team this year, if they if they kind of know of that, they heard some stories, and it, and it kind of knocks away at his credibility. The certainly with Tom Coughlin, that's happened for sure. Oh, Tom Coughlin, one hundred percent with him. Just yeah. can't avoid it. Right, the guy only speaks fucking two times a year, and every time he speaks, he says some angry, judgmental bullshit about one of his players. So. I don't know. Uh, I, I I would not be surprised if there was a, a shakeup of uh, coaching staff from all the way up to the top at the end of this year. 
there there's has to be a coaching change at the end of the year there has to be mm-hmm. assuming that you know we go six and ten seven and nine even eight and eight to be honest because eight and eight doesn't get you anywhere yeah you know yep yeah. i mean todd no, wash is no gone for sure todd oh, wash might be fired uh, in the next couple weeks uh a la nathaniel hackett last year that's kind of yeah a i i agree i think scapegoat just like know, that will happen inject some new energy that does seem like it would work for Marone's uh, effort to stay as head coach, right? Try to change something up. Anyway, um, wow. Uh, I do, <laughs> I do, I do want to, before we wrap up tonight, too, I want to uh, continue around the NFL a little bit. Um, okay. I think the Rams were, were a nice, a nice talking point here. With that win, so the Bears you're comparing to the Jaguars, which is, this is very accurate given they both have a four and six record now. <laughs> and similar kind of seasons going on. The Rams uh, are six and four, which is in, which is the record that we would envy and would would place us. I guess theoretically, we probably would have beat the the Texans week two, which we almost right. did. Um, and then let's say maybe we pull off a victory against. Oh, we don't really don't deserve know, any of the other Saints. ones. We don't deserve any of uh, Anyway, <laughs> regardless, I was just imagining where it places. It would have put us, you know, if not the top of our division, tied. Um, well, but the Rams at 6-4 and four are, you know what position they are in their division? Um, they're third, and they're on the outside Number looking into the playoffs. Three. Number yeah. three. Underneath San Francisco and Seattle. Seahawks, who are 8-2, and two, and just like you said, the 49ers, San Francisco, who are 9 and one. If you look around the NFC, you said you mentioned that they're on the sort of the outside looking in with the playoffs. The Panthers have had a, a decent showing. They're at they're at five and five. Um, the, the Falcons are on a on a crazy little streak. I'm actually kind of concerned that we, we we're going to lose to them. We might get killed by the we're going to lose yeah. to them. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to like win out and go happen. nine and seven. Yeah. Um, the Saints are eight and two. They're atop of their division, the NFC South. The Packers are atop the NFC North at eight and two. Uh, another uh, great record in that division is eight and three. Um, the Vikings, uh, and then the NFC East. Uh, the Cowboys have a narrow lead now, six and four, over the five and five Eagles, who certainly have playoff hopes as well. Right. So when we look at the NFC, there seems to be a lot of um, I don't know if you want to call it parity or just general. You know, maybe outperforming the AFC. Yeah, who knows? Better than the AFC. <laughs> there's a there's a huge a huge uh, uh, debate over who will make the playoffs. Um, any of those teams impress you as making a nice late season push and, and securing a spot? In the NFC, to be honest, how the NFC teams that are in right now, I think that's how it's going to finish. I don't know what order. But those six, I think, will be the ones that get in. Because Minnesota's the sixth seed right now, correct? I believe they are. Mm-hmm. At eight and three. Yeah, at right. eight and three. I think it's all going to stay the same, aside from maybe the Cowboys and the Eagles swapping. Ooh, wow. Other than that, I think it's going to be the same. And I think the NFC playoffs are going to be just crazy fun. And a lot of – there's really any team could come out. Yeah, exactly. In my opinion, yeah. Really? And then, um, so if we switch over to the AFC just really quickly, just to kind of complete oh. the story here, I mean, we've got the the Patriots at nine and one, who are complaining about their offensive production at nine and one, <laughs> with a hundred seventy nine first world problems point huh? <laughs> point differential. 
And then uh, who else we got? The Ravens on a, on a pretty nice streak here. Six in a row. Lamar Jackson's being talked about as league MVP. Um, they, I mean, I don't know if it matters for us, but they uh, they beat the, the Texans uh, on Sunday. Um, our division, we've them, already talked no. about. They Oh, they killed them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they killed them. <laughs> yeah. Our division, we've already covered. Um, mm-hmm. That leaves us with uh, the AFC West. The Chiefs are narrowly holding on to that. You mentioned the Raiders earlier today. Raiders are six and four. Uh, Chiefs at seven and four. Um, I guess with Mahomes back soon. Do we know the story on that? He's back. He played. Oh, he did. Oh, all right. Yes, he played on Monday night. Okay, and great. He played how did, how okay. did he look? Yeah, he looked pretty good. Um, their defense has some issues, but Philip Rivers threw enough picks to let them win. Really. Okay. Okay, so so still maybe a little bit of a question mark for the Chiefs, um, which didn't do too well in Mahomes' absence. So how do you how do you uh, order the AFC in terms of playoffs? I think the AFC will have a little bit of a mix up. I think the Chiefs will win the AFC West still. I think that's mm-hmm. I I can lock that honestly. I think okay. they'll win that. I think the AFC South is still open, not to us. But to the other <laughs> other three teams, yep. Um, especially the Colts and Texans, for sure. Uh, obviously, the Patriots are going to win the division, and then the Ravens will. Uh, it's really the wild card. Like I, I don't know if I believe in Buffalo. They don't play anybody, but they keep winning games. I mean, they're at seven and three, and they have a good record. Exactly. So they would really have to shit the bed here in mm. the last six games or whatever. And then the Raiders. I mean, who knows? I don't even know about them. I I've watched like one Raider game and they keep winning big games, but we do play them too, so we will see. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're kind of riding off the Steelers. I am. Yes. I mean, they just have like they have what we don't, which is a good front office and a really good head coach. Mm. But their offense is it's more painful than watching Blake Bortles in 2015. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. they're bad. Yeah. Super bad. And their quarterback, I mean, you saw that shit that went down with Miles Garrett. I don't know. Mm. I, I count the Steelers. I think the Browns can maybe make a run, but I don't really believe in them. I just don't believe in any team at that, at that sixth spot. Anyone mm. could get it. Seriously. That's why I don't want to count the Jaguars out, but the way <sighs> we played counts us out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, it's been a great episode. Um, are you looking forward to watching the game on Sunday, or <laughs> yay or nay? I'm still a little pissed off. At least you get to sleep in a little bit, and you know, get the two o'clock kick or whatever. Yeah. Mountain time. Um, what do you think? You think we're winning? Oh man, <laughs> I don't, I don't it's Tannehill know. now. It's not Mariota anymore. So. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I thought we'd win the last two games, so you know, yeah. kind of like blocking myself from thinking we'll win the next one. I'm gonna say we we win. We bounce back, but it doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. Okay, okay. Uh, I will say I am looking forward to the Cowboys playing the Patriots. I will actually be in Dallas during the oh, Thanksgiving yeah? uh, holidays whole week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Then they have a turnaround and they play the Bills, correct? Yeah, on uh, on Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, that's going to be a a fun game. 
Uh, I, hope, I hope so. I hope both those games are good, actually. Oh, they play at two, don't they? Yes. Mountain. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, what game are you going to watch? Uh, I, I will, Don't say I'll the watch wrong the, thing here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> oh, the, wrong, the wrong thing will be the Jaguars. I will be watching the Cowboys and Patriots, yes. No, I will, have, I will have my laptop. Hopefully, Sunday Ticket won't peter out on me this time, and I'll have the Jaguars streaming in the corner. Okay. Good enough for me. I'm really going to miss the whole Cowboys-Patriots game, but if it gets <laughs> ugly fast... You might switch over. I'll... I probably won't. I'm sitting there looking like a dumbass watching the Colts and Jaguars game for till the damn game was over. So, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, same. But man, cool. what a shame we had to miss that, huh? I know, I, I know. <laughs> <sighs> well, hopefully next week this is a little more positive, right? Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> oh, for a little bit of positivity. Uh, there's something I need to share with you. Let's hear it. We have, uh, after a, couple, a few weeks' absence, we do indeed have a diary entry from our friend, Taven Bryan. Taven Bryan, who didn't fall on the ball. I can't wait. Cue the music. <laughs> All right, here, let me, let me pull it up. Um, he, said, he said that my, uh, my, my reading voice last time was his favorite so far okay so i'm gonna okay i'm gonna try to stay true to that <laughs> all right here it is you ready <clears throat> i'm ready so dear diary for some glory is intangible it's hard to wrap your hands around it it's like a dream to which one devotes their whole life you know what i mean As I enter year two as a Jaguar, sometimes I feel the taste of glory in my mouth, or my hands, for that matter. Like those uh, three tackles I got against the the Texans across the pond in London town. Three solo tackles, baby. Key word, solo. If everybody on the roster had played like me that day, we would have had... 159 tackles. But my closest shot at glory was this past game against the Colts, bruh. When Yannick knocked the ball out of Jacoby's hands, I saw it. I could almost feel it. Feel that glory right between my hands. But I guess that day was not my day. I watched as glory bounced away into the belly of another man. Until next time. David. <laughs> Good. It was stuff. touching. Yeah, I was moved. That was touching. To that one actually hit me too. Yeah, yeah. I was moved as much as that ball moved when he was trying to <laughs> recover it. What the hell was he doing? God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff, man. It was good talking to you. Good yeah, release likewise. in the anger. I yeah. know. I know. <laughs> this is our this was our uh, coping session episode of the Drunken Jaguar. Thanks for joining us, yeah, guys. Thanks for joining. We'll tune in uh, <laughs> next week as we follow the uh, TLC series of the Jaguars' ups and downs. And what will Tave and Brian do next? <laughs> what will he? All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. See ya. <laughs>
<laughs> Man, I can't even roar this thing. <laughs>